1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Bootleg Football Podcast. Uh, once again, for the first time in a long time, actually talking about draft season. Uh, it has been maybe the wildest two-week free agency detour that I've ever seen. Uh, we were doing a-, a podcast just on free agency news. We did a live stream, and we still maybe only touched like 30% of all the moves that happened. Um I didn't want to completely take up all of draft season doing podcast after podcast about quarterback trades and, you know, edge rushers signing in new places and all that kind of stuff. So we'll probably hit everything that we didn't talk about in our kind of comprehensive off season reviews, team by team. So if we didn't get a chance to hit on what you want us to hit on, stay tuned for the summer. We're going to have very, very long discussions about literally every single move that happened from january until i don't know august so uh for now though still draft season and we want to finally get back to our uh, our 10 gem series we, we got to do offense now we did defense like a month ago at this point and then got sidetracked a little bit but we got uh 10 great gems on the offensive side of the ball to talk about today but uh before we get to that ej buddy how you doing and uh what are you drinking tonight
0: just hanging on by my fingernails it's draft season <laughs> tons of work to do and and it's really hard not to look up from tape and go who got traded where what <laughs> like why oh wait what does that mean oh and then go back and put your head down and keep focusing so it's uh it's busy but it's good busy and like you said wildest one i can remember ever in terms of once the cork was out of the bottle to use a very recent metaphor uh it just all bets are off and everything started to change a lot of shifting around the league in ways that we haven't seen before um not certainly all concentrated in one little two-week period right before the start of what's been a pretty wild free agency as well so uh no looking forward to 10 gems on offense uh one of my favorite series that we do and you know great players in every draft up and down the board so looking forward to it. It's going to be fun, but yeah, it's the it feels a little bit like we're starting a very long sprint to the finish. <laughs> uh well,
1: before we get into uh the start of the jams, have got a little bit of news and notes here to clean up. Um for starters, I want to thank Nick, Dylan, Matt, Sam, Stephen, Tyler, Hudson. Did you do Stephen Tyler on purpose? Please. I me.
0: actually didn't. It's the way <laughs> they it's the chronological order of when they started supporting us on Patreon. <laughs>
1: Well, Steven, space, Tyler, Hudson, and Autumn, who's been showing up to all of our streams since the beginning. Thank you all for joining us patrons. Maybe you get the discount on merch, you get uh, the access to our draft rankings, which we're going to start putting out our individual position rankings next week. Um, I think we finally have got through enough guys that I think we could start doing that. So we're going to have those available for all patrons and then, you know, we're going to have the uh, the patron-only Q&As and all that kind of stuff. So thank you to all for uh, for supporting the show and, uh, you know, helping us to do this for a living. It really does mean a lot. And uh, why don't we get into these gems? First things first, for people that might be new to this, EJ, uh, what is a gem in bootleg terminology?
0: Ah, uh, yes, gems. So gems isn't the best. Um, it's somebody that we like it's not necessarily the flashiest or the most popular somebody right at the top of the board so we've had people come back and say well nobody on your gems list got drafted in that position in the first three rounds doesn't matter to us these are players that as we're going through they can be at the top of the board but they can be all the way down the board maybe even sort of borderline udfa as we're watching them we go "Ooh, that's that's my guy Like, I like something about the way they play, or I can see a real use for that skill set. So these are just players we like. Gems is a fancy name for players that we really like and resonate to. Um, They might just have one great skill and need to develop some others. Uh, They might show untapped potential. They might have been in a bad system in college. I think George Kittle, right, had all this potential at Iowa and didn't. We didn't get to see it till he got to the NFL um, or just that third category of they make you shout when you're watching tape and your wife comes up and goes, yo, what are, what are you doing? And you're like, "I," he, he, and you're like, mm, potential gem right there. So uh, gems are our fun list. It's a way to help you all understand some other players, because look, draft media focuses a lot on the top 50, a little bit more on the top 100. And by the time you drop off to about 150, which is just barely more than halfway through the draft you don't hear a lot about those players so we like to pick players from up and down the board different schools different categories that you might not have heard of you might have heard of them um and let you all know why we like them well i think that's
1: a good segue into my number one on this list which is georgia wide receiver george pickens who will go in the top 50 almost guarantee it but he's gonna do so quietly i feel like people don't Talk about Pickens as much, which kind of makes him prime gen material. You know, he missed virtually all of last year except the last couple of games where he played limited snaps uh, with an ACL that he tore a year ago now, actually. I think we just hit the 12-month part, uh 12-month mark. But you go back to his first couple of years at Georgia, and he was arguably the most dominant wide receiver in the country. You know, he was one of these guys coming out of high school where he was recruited by Everybody, he was seen as kind of a short thing. Went to Georgia, you know, big body frame, 4-4 speed, um, extraordinarily physical, especially in the run game. This dude loves just knocking DB's heads off in the run game. You know, physical route runner. Kind of looks like the second coming of of AJ Green in terms of frame and skill set. He's an artist on the sideline with feet and body control. Doesn't have the biggest hands, but I didn't necessarily see that as an issue with catching the ball because he's a plucker. He never lets into his body. You know, he's always kind of presenting the diamond that receiver coaches talk about. Uh, just really, really soft hands, got a complete skill set. You know, is he as fast as Christian Watson or Calvin Austin or either of the OSU guys? No. Um, but I think when you look at size, frame, physicality, You know, all the kind of nitty gritty parts of playing wide receiver against these, you know, grown ass men in the NFL that like to come up and press you. I I do think that he is going to be successful in that regard. So I think he's a classic X receiver that almost guaranteed will go in the top 50, maybe the top 40 picks.
0: Yeah, I think Pickens will go earlier than people think. And for him, it really is about the medical because the medical was recent right he had the knee injury he's not fully healed or just now starting to be fully healed wasn't fully healed the last time we saw him on a football field you know playing in anger uh and that's the last taste in a lot of people's mouths of George Pickens is oh he didn't look like himself well no he wasn't fully a year removed from an ACL which to really regain the explosion, which he has in his game. We're not talking about a plotter. This is a guy that can outrun DBs, um, and he needs to get some of that burst back. And typically that starts to happen most fully about the year mark. Guys can come back and play before that, but they're not quote-unquote themselves. They're not back to how they were. Um, So he has gotten... I don't want to say forgotten. He's certainly still in the first round conversation. And I actually think he will go in the first round because I think there's going to be a run on receivers. And unless people have bad reports on his medical, which we don't have access to, if everything's clean and it looks like it's healing correctly, I I think he's a lock for the top round or or say, let's just say like. The first 34 picks, like he would be one of those guys that led off the second round. People might even move up to get him if he was still there because he's that good. He is. We talk about alphas all the time on on this show and others like what is an alpha like George Pickens has everything he needs to be an alpha. He can be your number one. He does not have to be a complimentary receiver to anybody else. He can come in and maybe not in his first year, but very quickly be your alpha. And that is a valuable commodity, and I do not think he slips because of that.
1: I got a question for you. Yes. Who goes first, my number one or your number one?
0: Yours by far.
1: See, that's interesting because your number one, Christian Watson, I have a monster grade on, and I know you do too.
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, But what you and I think and what the league thinks, and most certainly in this particular case— the league's tolerance for risk is really what comes into play here. And we talked about the risk with Pickens and it's the medical. Other than that, look, he played in a top conference. He had plenty of production. He's got great size. He he checks all the boxes, but the medical was, was risk. And that's limited. NFL teams are used to injuries and guys healing with them. The risk list with Christian Watson is a little bigger. He didn't play in a top conference. He's a little bit over he didn't play in an offense that highlights wide receivers um which i think is a bonus and we'll talk about that but um there's just a lot more gray area to fill in and nfl teams are not really comfortable in the first round filling in gray areas um he has enough to make them consider it and I do think he probably has a shot at the first round and some people will think that's nuts. I think that is an absolute certainty just based on who he is and, and how big he is and what you see when you do look at him on tape on the field. This is a big guy, 6'4", 208, um, legit speed to take the top off a of D. This is an explosive athlete um, who is surprisingly agile for a guy with levers that long. You see him on things like jet sweeps and bubble screens. That's not all he does. But on those plays, he's deacon much smaller DBs. Um, not typical for a guy six foot and over 200 pounds. Um, but where he really threatens is in linear yak, right? If he gets a step on you and the QB throws the ball up high, good night. Like you're not catching him. He's that kind of fast and because he's that big and that fast and that athletic. And I think because he did play in an offense that didn't highlight wide receivers, he played at North Dakota state. You have to block. If you play at North Dakota state, I don't care if you're the quarterback, you have to block everybody on that offense has to block. They've, you know, they've been putting guards and tackles, uh, in NFL rosters for years. Uh, you know, they've got running backs, they've got fullbacks, um, and guys on the other side of the ball that have to tackle all those guys all the time, you know, linebackers and edge rushers like that's North Dakota State's game. So when Watson wasn't running routes, he wasn't one of those guys that could go out and just play patty cake on the edge and get away with it. And believe you me, there are a lot of those guys in this draft that do not like to block, didn't have to basically had to run up to the DB and touch him. And that was good enough in the film room. Watson's out there on the edge using all six four of that frame, being aggressive, turning his shoulders, dropping his hips um because he had to be to play on the field and then in those limited shots that he gets you really get to hold your breath when they throw the ball up to him it's like oh he could go like that's it when you put the ball in the air to this guy he could go and that's why nfl teams are going to take a chance on him. and i just i think if you if you put him on
1: a team with a quarterback that that allows an offensive coordinator to be confident in the vertical pass game. I'll say it in a diplomatic way.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're talking about the Mahomeses and the Herberts of the world or the Russell Wilson moon Dude, ball. I'm it doesn't you, matter.
1: Oh, if he goes to the chargers at 17, it's over.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. I don't think they'll take a wide receiver there, but
1: <laughs> they don't, they don't need one. But if they just decide to lean into their identity, you're hundred percent. <laughs> right. Is that,
0: This guy is going to shine and we talk about this with all players, more with quarterbacks than any other player, but with wide receivers, it's important too. And if you put this guy with somebody that can get the ball down the field with accuracy. Oh, I don't know, like, um, Justin Fields. Oh yeah. You think who throws deep really, really well. Like that is I one I don't of think his
1: strengths. Is it sixty three? What's their what's their pick? Thirty
0: Uh, nine. Thirty. I want to say it's thirty eight or thirty nine and forty three. I can look it up. But they, it's like on
1: the border of. Yeah, I don't know would. that they'll get a shot at him. And if they yeah. do,
0: they may be one of those risk averse teams. We don't know about Ryan Poles and what he really values. Yeah, we can extrapolate some things from his time with Kansas City. Uh, We know that they have a need because they've not filled it. Uh, they did not go out and sign, you know, OBJ or or anybody in free agency. They still need an X. Alan Robinson's gone. They've got Mooney. They've got Pringle. You know, they've they've got some guys. They went out and got ESB, uh, who again is a wide receiver four. Like they still have the need, but do they have the tolerance for risk? And you have to think this is Polls' first draft pick as a GM. Not in Chicago, like as a GM period, like, and those better or worse, they stick with you, right? And is he willing to put down on record that his first pick ever in the NFL as a GM was Christian Watson? Now, I would love to say sitting in my chair that I'm, I'm willing to do that, uh, at 38 or 39, but I can understand why a team wouldn't. I hope they do. Um, if it's Pickens or him, I would see them going with Pickens, but if Pickens is off the board and Watson isn't, it's going to be really tempting. I'll understand if they don't do it, but I will always have a little piece of me that will say, Oh, you're not going to like what you see when he goes to play with Burrow or Herbert or Mahomes or anybody else that can get the ball down the field. Um, you're gonna be sad, especially if you have to face him.
1: I just I see a guy who showed up at the Senior Bowl against some of the best DBs in the nation and did not lose a rep. I those guys always leave an impression on scouts and GMs. Happened with Terry McLaurin. Uh, happened with um, Chase Claypool. Like there, there's always that receiver that shows up the mobile and separates himself from all of the other you know men that play this game, and he makes them look like children. Happens every year. This year it was Christian Watson and Calvin Austin. Those were the two guys that did it. Um, my number two here, Kenneth Walker. Speaking of man amongst boys.
0: <laughs>
1: Arguably the best running back in this entire class. The 4'3 speed, by the way, is legit. Um, he's a little bit uh, smaller than I think... You know, maybe some people were were expecting. Um, I knew that he was going to be under six feet, five nine. I I honestly thought he was taller than that. The two eleven, you know, kind of. He's not really a bowling ball build. He's just thick. That part definitely checked out. Um, you know the the combine I think was was really more about confirmation than anything else of like he looks fast yeah he's fast he looks explosive yeah he's explosive looks like he has good feet you know going through the Deuce daily drill and everything like that showed good feet like the combine was just check 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 um i just think you know your combination of physical talent uh, conference that he played in against some really good defensive players and he made everybody else look slow there's just there's not really a whole lot wrong with him. And I know he's not going to go in the first round because he's a running back. He's going to be a day two pick. And he's probably going to end up being one of the better day two picks that anybody gets just because there, there's not really any red
0: flags here. No, he's a pretty sure thing, but you know what my I you know what my favorite thing about your your second guy is? Hmm. He makes money on his second move. How do you mean? Go back and watch his tape and watch how many times it's not the first move that really breaks the run open because he broke a lot of runs. I mean, this mm-hmm. guy, hyper productive. like production is production was checked long before the combine, like everybody saw his senior season against very quality run defenses and what he was able to do. And when you go back and you watch his tape, watch his second move. His first move is good but the second one is the one that just splits it wide open and now he's going for 25. Now he's going for 37. Now he's one-on-one with a little corner. uh Oh, like he's probably going to run that guy over too. It's the second move. He'll make a good first move. Like what I would consider a, a very sort of structurally sound or, or philosophically sound running back move for his first move. First move is correct. He's at the right place at the right pace at the right time, in the right hole. And you're like, okay, good. And he, he breaks a field and it looks like a seven or eight yard run. And then that second guy, whoever the second guy is, comes for him. Whether it's the inside backer or whether it's, it's, it's that 90
1: degree jump cut and then the 4-3 speed. Or yeah. the spin
0: or yeah. the stiff arm or the pure stop and go, which is electric, right? He he does one thing and you're like, yeah. And then he does another thing and you're like, oh, damn it's always the second one and then it turns into a real problem for the defense right the first one was like damn that was going to be a seven yard gain the second one was like oh i hope somebody catches him because now he's wide open and he's running loose and four it's three
1: eight move. four three nine nobody's
0: gonna I catch know him. but it's that <laughs> second move and he just you know and you get two guys coming in on vectors and you're like okay good run he you know he's moving the show ch- oh man he ditched both of them right it's that second move with walker over and over and over again. First one's good. Second one, just, just absolutely breaks. Everything breaks your angles, breaks your defense long break for a touchdown. And he does it so consistently. Like he is it's chess for him. He is a move ahead. That first move is just to set himself and he sees where they're coming. And that second move, he's like, Oh yeah, watch this. And the second moves are stunning they're outstanding and they just happen over and over and over again so he's yeah i I can tell i love the player
1: he had unsurprisingly 30 breakaway runs last year which is runs of 15 plus yards which is an average of what like two and a half a game like two two plus two to three carries every week almost guaranteed of 15 plus yards like that's ridiculous you knew it was coming you just
0: <laughs> knew it was coming you're like it's yeah. it's gonna happen it's gonna ha- oh there's one and uh, he's not done yet right that was only the first yeah. quarter like he's got another one in him and you know third quarter grinding away again always getting you know his average per carry it's high like this is not a guy that was getting three and four yard runs he was getting five and six and seven yard runs all the time but oh that one's 18 oh that one's 25 oh man
1: but even yeah. when he was like, you know, he'd start off with like seven carries of like two a pop. You know, And you're it's like, coming. it's fine. That numbers, that numbers going to bounce back. He'll end up at like five and a half by the end of the game. And he always did. <laughs> he yeah, because he's going to rip off a 40 <laughs> yeah. yarder. Yeah. And
0: he wasn't the thing that another thing about his game, obviously, there's a few that I really like, was he's not a guy that needs 20 or 25 to get there. Because, no, you get
1: 12 to 15. That's
0: enough. right. Because you know how many running backs get 20 to 25 in the NFL. Like five of them, maybe? No, look from last year.
1: <laughs> Let me guess, Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan Taylor. Uh, yeah, I think there was either
0: one or two last year that even got 20. I don't think anybody got 25. Not, not even close on average. Yeah. So nobody gets that. If you have one of those guys that people say, oh, you need to get him rolling, you need to get him warmed up. And that's fine in college. There's a lot of times they're going to get 25, 30, 35 carries in certain offenses. They get to the NFL, they're going to get half of that. So if you don't get warmed up in the first 12 or 15, we're not going to see that 45 yard burst that we're used to getting in the fourth quarter. When you've worn them down, that's not a strategy that works and Walker doesn't need it. Right. Like you said, he'll have five or six that are average or, or, you know, didn't produce a big result. And then it's coming. Yeah. Who's uh who's your number two. My number two is Kenyon green. Um, a guard from Texas a and And I do say guard, uh, So if you saw Kenyon Green's film at tackle because Texas A&M played him at tackle, you're probably Mm. thinking I'm out of my mind right now. You're like, I saw him play and he was not great. And you would be correct. He was not awesome at tackle. He's playing wildly out of position. Uh, Not strangely enough, (laughs) when they moved him back to guard and said, guess what? You're going to be a guard, Kenyon. That's when Texas A&M's offense took off and a and spiller Wonder and all why. those guys. And they started rolling teams, right? They started running up points. It is not coincidental. Like correlation is causation in this. Like Kenyon green is really, really talented on the inside. And I'm going to say this, and I have, I have checked this theory, uh, with our buddy, Brandon Thorne. Cause I thought I was maybe a, uh, you know, Brandon knows a lot more about anybody than I know about offensive line. Um, And so I was like, I don't know. I was watching his tape. I was like, I feel like, I feel like he might have the most natural athletic talent of interior offensive linemen in this draft. Now, Hmm. notice, I didn't say he was the best or that he was even going to be the best. Just from movement skills standpoint. In terms of raw materials that he has not yet reached the peak of, which is very important to this rating. He might be the most naturally physically gifted interior offensive lineman. And people are going to scream in the comments. They're going to say, what about Zion? Zion's farther along and Zion's really good. Zion Johnson from Boston College. Like, and you could look at Tyler Linderbaum. Like Tyler Linderbaum is closer to his ceiling and farther along than Kenyon Green is right now. But if you look at like overall physical stature in terms of like what Linderbaum is, uh, Kenyon Green has more room to ascend for me green is
1: is like the obvious choice of like okay if you don't get Zion Johnson like who's who's the next guard that you're gonna get and green I think honestly for most people would probably be that guy because I think he has I don't want to say positional flexibility but I do really like it when my guards used to be tackles Because Mm -hmm. I think they have a little bit more experience in terms of pass sets, like true pass sets in an era where a lot of three techniques on passing downs are basically lining up as four eye, and then you got a nine technique out wide. And they're basically speed rushing guards at this point to try to get an edge on a guard. So you need guards that can actually get depth in their pass set now. You know, there's so many of these like lighter, quicker interior rusher some of them are actually defensive ends that kick inside on passing down so you need to have guards in my opinion that also have a a tackle skill set sort of (laughs) in some ways uh to handle these defensive ends that then go attack guards on third down so for me kenyon green i think just from that standpoint is kind of like uh i don't want to say a chalk pick he's just somebody that's very easy to fall in love with as like a steady, stable, interior offensive line prospect.
0: Yeah, I think he's chalky, but for another reason, because he's a young and still developing, really talented player. Like, he is not a guy that's near his ceiling. You can see he's already this talented. He's already this quick. He's already this strong because he's one of those guys that when he gets a hold of a guy inside, like, it is over. He can physically dominate guys inside really quick, which I, I love your point about defensive ends kicking inside. We see that all the time. And, you know, the, the defensive coordinator's rationale is too quick for guards, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to struggle to be too quick for Kenyon Green, like – He's a twitchy guy. He's strong. He's got plenty of mass. He can anchor. Like, he's got it all. So that's the reason that I think he's chalky, but he's not yet near his ceiling. So that's the reason. If you're going to pick a guard in the first round, it better be somebody that you see as having a really high ceiling and performing as sort of one of the top 10 or 15. You know, we're talking about 60 guards in the league, right? 64 starting guards in the league. You better be one of the top 15 or 18 guards in the league, if you're going to get picked in the first round. And I think Kenyon green fits that mold to a T and that's why he's chalky for me.
1: Uh, ironically, my number three on the list is a similar type of player. And that's Tyler Smith, uh, the offensive tackle <laughs> from Tulsa, who is another guy who I think could survive at tackle. Um, but just like Kelechi Osemele back in the day where, yeah, he survived at tackle, but when assembly kicked inside to guard for a few years, there's when he really became like a dominant force again, not for like a long period of time, but there was like a good two or three years there where assembly was like a top five guard in the league. Um, And I think Tyler Smith can be potentially a similar type of conversion project. Now the thing that really sticks out with Smith is he is physical as all hell. And even though, I think he's a good linear athlete. You know, we were kind of talking about this before the before the show. I don't necessarily think he's got uh, what's the technical term? Hip swivel yeah. <laughs> to handle, you know, like NFL caliber speed rushers, you know, your TJ Watts, your Miles Garrett, all those kind of guys. Like that that kind of speed and bend would give him an issue as a tackle, but you kick in somebody who's that vertically explosive, kind of going forward. And somebody with you know 34 inch arms and a nasty demeanor and tons of strength, you kick that into guard where he can just kind of more rely on short setting people, and you know really getting his hands on on guys immediately, not having to take a pass set like five yards deep and then get hands on. Um, I think that style. Kind of suits somebody of his skill set a little bit more, you know, because it is a little bit easier to short set people as a guard. Obviously, like I just mentioned with Kenyon Green, there are going to be defensive ends that kick inside that then try to speed rush basically from like a four eye spot. I still think it's going to be a little bit easier for him to handle that speed as a guard with a little bit more limited real estate to work with than he would have to deal with a full on nine technique out of tackle on an island with no chip help. So I think it's best for his career to be a guard, but that's not to say that he's not a great player. He is a great player. I just think he, he can be an okay tackle,
0: but like a potentially pro bowl caliber guard. Yeah, no, you and I see him very much the same way. And I, I've talked to people who swear up and down that he's a tackle. And my first question for those people is how do you think he's going to handle legit NFL outside speed? And they're all like, well, he's got long arms or, well, you know, he's pretty athletic and he is athletic, but it is in a linear sense. Like he's really fast for a guy his size. When he starts running in a straight line, we saw that in the 40, you see it on tape. He'll, he'll like swing out for bubble screen. He'll turn his hips. And when he starts moving, he's got great speed, but that lateral agility is not there he does he is tight in the hips and when he faces even average speed in college which is not the same as a miller which is not the same as a tj watt or any of the other mutants rushing off the edge in the nfl there's a lot of them he bails immediately he gets to his second kick step maybe and just opens yeah right away and that leads to some really soft outside edges he doesn't correct particularly well so he can get cross-faced if he opens because he opens so quickly and then people go back across him and he doesn't have the wherewithal to turn i think you're right that for me as soon as i was through three quarters of the first tape i was like this guy can kick ass at guard from day one you slide him inside you have those huge arms those really strong hands and to my point when you're getting that four eye speed rush he's got 34 inch arms and his grip strength is off the charts he can literally one-arm those guys even Mm -hmm. in the nfl he can just reach out and snag that guy and then turn the rest of his body you might say that's not great technique no but it'll work (laughs) like it'll do (laughs) because he can make that happen and then there's all the things he's really good at we've been talking about his limitations but like when this guy puts his butt down and rolls his hips through contact Mm -hmm. like nobody's standing up to that they're you know he's taking 310 315 pound guys and literally just rocking them up onto their heels when he makes contact he is so powerful and again very good linearly so if you want him to even on an inside zone play like get to the second level yeah (laughs) and if he gets there he's gonna destroy who's ever there because they're either gonna have to run all the way around that huge wingspan or they're gonna have to try and go through him and through him just ain't gonna work
1: yeah i just i i don't know how high he's gonna go because i think every team is gonna see him way differently first round i i would i would think so but it depends on if
0: they see him as a guard or attack i think he's a first round guard i I was gonna say i i I don't think it matters. I mean, I think it matters to me where I would play him and to you where you'd play him. I think Tyler Smith goes in the first round and anybody out there shaking his head saying he shouldn't. Well, you you can say that, but what I'm saying is it's not necessarily what I would do. Uh, if I needed a guard, I would certainly consider it, but it is what's going to happen. I think, I don't think there's any way that Tyler Smith gets out of the first round. Now, I could I could eat those words, but I would be very shocked if we get down to 25, 28 and he's not off the board and there's only four more picks left. I I would be really surprised. It would be it would be one of the shocks of the first round if he slides out. Now, could it happen? Of course, it's the draft, but we'll see Uh,
1: who is your number three.
0: My number three is the guy that I just can't forget about. And it's Chris Olave (laughs) from (laughs) Ohio State and. Chris Olave, if he'd come out last year with Justin Fields and there was some, you know, thought that he might, I think he probably might've, we well, probably would've gone about the same place because last year's wide receiver class was so talented and he's really on the edge of that first tier or first bubble for me. He's such a good wide receiver. We go back to the, the name of the position, like what is your job? It's to catch the ball your receiver. And Chris Olave can catch the ball Anywhere, right? If you look at his stuff from Justin Fields, again, Justin Fields, is a really good downfield thrower. He had explosive plays out the ying, which is what put him on everybody's radar last year. This year, he had what was honestly probably the most talented wide receiver room in the country. And I, I actually would put them up against a bunch of pros. And I know everybody says that's nuts, but you've literally got the guy across from him that's going to be drafted higher than him. i i've take 20. Got- 20-
1: 21 ohio state over 2021 jacksonville oh, easily
0: and then you know neither one of the sort of starting outside guys for osu play in the bowl game and jackson smith and jigba goes off for 300 freaking yards yeah and you're like that's the third guy and if you look at osu's passing attack this year it did change they didn't feature record as much and they really focused on the other two wide receivers and Olave was, was left doing all the things that move the chains. He still had big plays, but he was the worker B right. Mm -hmm. He was the, the Z in that, you know, and he played all over the place. He has played all over the place. Brian Hartline teaches his guys to block. So he blocks, but he's played slot. He's played X. He's played Z. He's gone deep. He's gone middle, cross the middle sideline, short stuff, bubble screen, like, he's extremely experienced and versatile he's really really good at his craft his releases are great he's very uh he's he's just very intentional yeah like he's very intentional about what he's doing throughout an entire game and he can just he doesn't mind he just is very malleable he was like you need me to go short you need me to be the possession guy you need me to get first downs no problem you need me to block i got it you need me to be the third wide receiver for this game because you're going to focus on the other guys no worries oh you need me to go deep on a slant again oh yeah i got that safety he's in my pocket no problem and he's one of those guys that his field speed is really good like we would not be talking about his field speed if he didn't play with the guy on the other side yeah um so he's just so good he is terry mclaurin to me and i know you know same school he is that guy so polished good size six foot 187 not great size not small right and and this is just where he is he's he's you know very good route runner very good hands catcher which side does he play either can he play in slot sure you know is he fast yep he's fast enough he beats guys does he have good releases yeah can he deal with press yeah can he block? Yeah. You're just like he he's that guy, but yet he's not being talked about in the top, I would say, five or maybe even six receivers because there's guys that are taller, guys that he used to play with, like Jamison Williams mm-hmm. taller or faster, or you know, had bigger production, or or like Christian Watson, have bigger potential. Um, but Olave is a pro right now. Like he's gonna plug in, be somebody's number two right away and that is not a knock that is not saying oh he's not an alpha he is a custom made ready to go pro number 2 wide receiver that will come into the league and be productive year 1 and just continue to be productive because he's he's such a good football player so i couldn't leave him off the list
1: i just kind of pulled up my my little scribbles for uh for wide receiver rankings yeah and you know i kind of i kind of broke it up into into tiers more than anything uh-huh. within each <laughs> tier it's like you could argue for any of them sure. i have him
0: just outside top tier and that's the thing is like that's where olave exists in this draft is like right at the very end of tier one or maybe mushing onto definitely the top of tier yeah. two i don't want to drop many farther than the top of tier two but he, he like almost wavers back and forth across that imaginary dotted line between tiers or bubbles and it's only because we're talking about the ultra talented above him. But once you get down to the really talented, like he's at the top of that list. Like they're yeah, you can't I, I, I can't. Ha, I have find him a way in that like
1: that, that that like God, the top of tier two for me. It's like Olave, Sky Moore, mm-hmm. Calvin Austin, Trelon Burks, Jahan Dotson.
0: And I would take Olave before all those guys. Like you no, I no no Would
1: not fault you at all. But it's like yeah. it's a it is such a jam packed tier where it's like, I, I, I agree. You could argue any of them, you know? Just oh, yeah. I, what love, you want. I
0: love I love more. And, and we we both love Calvin Austin for a different role. But in like if I had a more sort of well, <laughs> let me be clear. If I was the Chicago Bears and my receiver room was bare and I had a bunch of roles I needed to fill fields to Olave I I can go pick <laughs> Olave yeah. and put him anywhere. So if I want to move Mooney into the slot, or if I really think Mooney's the Z and I want to run Olave in the slot, no worries, right? If I want to run Olave at X, because I don't really have an X and he can get by there better than Byron Pringle and Mooney, like fine. Olave could play X for a year. He'd be fine, right? Is he going to be the huge threat that DeAndre Hopkins is? No. Is he going to be a super productive X in a, in a pro style offense? You bet. So he's one of those guys that it's like, there are certain guys in this draft that are like, you're an X. (laughs) You're not anything but an X. Or you're like Calvin Austin. Do you want to play Calvin Austin at X or Z in most NFL offenses? Not on most downs. Well, here's the thing. I
1: I do think I'm in the minority here. I do think Calvin Austin can survive at X.
0: But I would prefer he be at Z. You know? Yeah. I, I want Calvin Austin in the slot because he's so oh, slippery, yeah, yeah. And you know he's so good there. It's kind of like the argument we just made for Tyler Smith. Like, yeah, he could be an okay tackle. I, I actually think he has a major liability at tackle, but he could be a decent tackle. He could get by there, but he could be a really good guard. And it's like, yeah, you could play Calvin Austin outside. I I think there are limitations there. I want him in the slot. Um, anyways, Olave is just. He's kind of scheme and team agnostic as any receiver in this draft. You can just put him anywhere. He's going to be great. Yeah. For me, my comp is Tyler Boyd with like a little bit more gas, which
1: that's that's somebody you could put anywhere. Yeah. And Tyler Boyd's a really damn good player who's going to be in the league for a really long time. Yeah. Nobody's got ever at- going to complain about Tyler Boyd being on their football team. No way. No.
0: I've got him a tick above <laughs> that, but I, I just love him as a football player. I think he's really, really good. Um, and I love the fact that he adjusted his game for what the team needed. Um, that said a lot. There's uh, Wide receivers are not known to be the most um, ego-friendly people in the world. Like, oh, he's man. They chill, have a, he's they so have a lot of pride. And yeah. if you say, hey, we're not going to feature you because we're going to take this guy that's younger than you that hasn't kind of earned it or doesn't have a seniority he didn't outwardly at least he had no issue with that and he went out he did his job he was productive he didn't sulk and he made the most of every opportunity and did it add up to as much as his previous season it didn't but when you go back and watch the tape like it's not one of those guys that dropped off like oh he regressed he didn't regress. he played a different role
1: yeah uh you mentioned Terry McLaurin and my (laughs) lofty I know (laughs) My Terry McLaurin comp in terms of like skill set and, you know, not quite size, but it's close is Bo Melton from Rutgers. You know, these these forgotten Big Ten receivers that, you know, don't have the production that they should, to be honest, like Bo Melton was trapped. And believe me, I. I sat through a lot of shit watching these Rutgers skill players that were really good that got let down by, I don't know, Rutgers in general. <laughs> but, you know, they have a running back, Isaiah Pacheco, who's really, really good, um, and he's going to be a value guy either late day three or his UDFA for some team. He's super fast, super physical. Um, Bo Melton was another receiver that got massively undervalued in my opinion because of the offense he was in the quarterback not very good the offensive line not very good the the scheme they were running was as simplistic as you can possibly be like it it was a bad situation and this dude showed up every week you know he's got legit four3 speed that shows up on tape he gets behind guys um and there were some errant footballs many errant footballs there thrown his many way errant footballs um you know they used him in the run game. They used him in the return game. He is dynamic with the ball in his hands. Fantastic route runner. I mean, phenomenal route route. Like, I think he has the same bag of tricks that the Ohio State guys do. But I think he's got a little bit more lateral juice to him than than even Chris Olave. I think Olave Mm -hmm. is smoother. But I think Bo Melton, like, when he puts his foot in the ground, like, he goes... Mm-hmm. And so I think he's got a massive, massive ceiling. I have him in the same tier as Olave. And again, you can order him however you want. When they're in a tier like that, it doesn't really matter. But I think Melton has a legit shot to go somewhere in that sky more range on day two, where it's like, if you miss out on the Ohio State kids, Bo Melton's pretty damn good consolation prize, good route runner, good speed. You know, can play all three, all four downs, really, when you count his special teams' versatility. Use him in a variety of ways. He's a good kid. Dominated at senior bowl practices. Like, he checks a lot of boxes. I think he's going to be a really good pro. A better pro than a college player, to be
0: honest. I fully agree with the better pro than college player. That's that's my take as well on Melton. You know why I think Melton's going to slide in the draft? Because he went to Rutgers? kind of mostly what you (laughs) said in that, uh, it's Rucker's fault, right? He's going to be a guy that I think, you know, scouts and wide receiver coaches are going to look and see the same thing that you saw that I saw that a lot of people saw, which is, wow, this is a skilled, talented wide receiver with great physical attributes, you know, 38 inch vert, like, like you said, mid four threes, like this guy's got everything you'd want physically from a wide receiver. But when it comes down to that, let's say third round pick where he's probably mm-hmm. going to be, you know, I think other position coaches are going to be able to bang the table a little bit harder for guys that played in bigger conferences, maybe better schemes that had a combination of better competition more production. Well, I mean, big 10 is like the second, I, I understand conference now but, maybe
1: better teams. Yeah. You yeah. Better teams. better teams. Like, but
0: it's, I think when you get down to, and these are the discussions that people are going to have in draft. rooms. This is nothing against Melton. This is a, the wide receiver coach is like, I love Bo Melton and I want him and I want our third round pick. To, and you know, the GM's like, great. And then he goes to the offensive line coach and he's like, you know, Hey, we need a whatever guard tackle. Like, who's your guy. And he's like, this guy's still on the board. We had a second round grade on him. He's, you know, it's harder to get tackles. There's wide receivers all the way down the board. Like all those things are going to play against Bo Melton. And it's not Bo Melton's fault. It's not his fault that his record scheme was garbage. It's not his fault that, you know, records doesn't have a ton of primetime games. Like the people that know football are going to be like, Bo Melton's a great football player. The GM's going to be like, yeah, but he's right about there's more of a drop off in tackle than there is in wide receiver. If he's still there in four, we'll we we'll have you bang the table again and we'll do this with the defensive backs coach, right? Those are the things that are <laughs> going to work against Melton. And they're not Melton's fault. Like, if you told me you were going to take Melton in the third, I would be like, yeah, and? like I just, sure. I know,
1: and this is nothing against John Mechie. I know Mechie's going to go ahead of him and I'm going to hate it.
0: I hate See, I don't hate it, but that's just because I love Mechie. And I don't think that he is, like, worlds better than than melton and a lot of people are gonna be like wait 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 are you saying that those guys are pretty close to the same tier for you and i'm gonna say yeah they are and moreover if you put melton on alabama and Mechie on Rutgers, melton does better i think we're gonna be i think he does the same, which is better, which is Mechie had more results and did better, but he was in a much better situation. Yeah. These guys are not that far apart. They get offers from multiple schools. I mean, you look at Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams was at Ohio State, did nothing, nothing, went to Alabama and exploded. Yeah. Right. And it's the same with there's uh, you know, Jelani Woods, one of our favorite tight ends. I'll talk about at the end of the show. Nothing, nothing goes to Virginia. Oh boom. Like it's not that suddenly he grew six inches and got really talented. Like he was talented and he got into a scheme that said, Hey, we're going to use your talents. So Melton's one of those guys. Great pick as a gem, because here's a guy, all the talent gets, if he lands in a good situation, the pros, people are going to be like, man, Paul Melton's really good. and We're going to be like, always has been right Yeah. Not yeah. to get
1: too far off the rails, but the exact same thing is going to happen next year with that uh, that transfer running back to Bama from GT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I swear to God, that kid's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> like he's but he's going it, to set so many records.
0: We see it every year, and we're going to see it more and more with the transfer portal. It used to be more rare that yeah. that guys would do that. Um, but um, the linebacker Cox from NDSU that went to. Uh, yeah. You know, to LSU. Went to LSU, but like, like do you know how good you
1: have to be for <laughs> to to be a running back and mm-hmm. transfer to Bama because you're going to start. You know how fucking insane you have to be. <laughs> yeah, to, you've got to be better to than the that. other four or five stars they have yeah. in the room,
0: um, which is absolute insanity. But we're going to yeah. see that more and more. And and I've seen it on several guys. I named a few and there's three or four more in my mind that had like, oh, he was at, you know, Cal. Cal. Oh, he went to the SEC. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> he had a or Brock 11- Hoffman,
1: the, the center that we that we just uh-huh. posted the interview on the Clips channel. Uh, you know, Coastal Carolina, and then he goes to VT, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, playing with Christian Derisaw as my left tackle. You yeah. Know?
0: For sure. No, it's uh it's really interesting um to see those to see those players and again it just reinforces even more what we've been saying in the pros and now it's creeping down to college in a whole it's not creeping it's it's sprinting in college because of the transfer portal but we always say landing spot is so important and all of a sudden in college like oh you can do that in college and not sit out for a year oh you're gonna see some guys with great talent who get in the right scenario and all of a sudden boom
1: you're number four uh Not a transfer, but did play running back in the SEC for four years, which is more rare than you think these days. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Damian Pierce.
0: Yeah, Damian Pierce is a guy that we actually uh, watched some highlights of when we were at Shrine Bowl. We were we were killing some time and we were we were doing a little senior bowl prep and pulled him up on the TV and we had we watched him defensive tackles and we were like, oh, we should watch running backs. And pulled up four or five guys. And Damian Pierce was one of the first guys that I was like, damn, like yeah. <laughs> that guy has pro skills, right? And he's a well built runner. He has that knack that great runners do of turning little bits of daylight into big gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he the fastest? Nope. Is he the strongest? Nope. He's real strong, but he's not the strongest. Is he the biggest? No, he's definitely not the biggest. Um, but he is one of those guys that routinely makes the first defender miss. Not occasionally, almost always. The first guy has very little shot at him and he can brush him off. Um, fourth in all of college football in elusiveness rating, which is Mm a PFF rating, um, based on yards generated after contact. Uh, and number of tackles avoided or broken. So either I got hit and I kept going, or you didn't hit me. And they combine those two and they get this rating called elusiveness. He was fourth in the nation in elusiveness. This is a guy that is really good at making sure the first guy, who is usually unaccounted for. If you know offensive and defensive football, it's like, we're going to take care of these 10 and then this guy's yours, right? (laughs) You're going to have this guy. And some running backs are okay with that. Some running backs are great with that. And Pierce is one that's great with that. Um, Yeah, forced forced missed tackles at the second highest rate in all of college football. Just a very, very talented guy. I love his burst in the short area. Again, not the fastest, not the greatest long speed, but super tough. And when he sees that crack, all of a sudden he's a guy that's not in front of the linebackers. He's beside them. And you're like, man, wait a minute. He was just behind his offensive line, took two steps, and now linebackers are turning because the angle is breaking. So uh, I love his explosive rush rate, ninth in the country. Uh, that's percentage of rushes that gained 15 yards or more. Again, in the top 10 in the country at creating explosive runs. And we all know how important explosive plays are, yeah. especially from the running game, because the whole grind it out thing, teams will give you three or four yards if you're going to run it all game long because they know that you're not going to beat them but if you can generate yards at 15 or 18 that's that's a good medium to good passing play like you have to respect that and running backs coming in to the nfl who are going to be successful need those two things the ability to make that unblock guy miss and the ability to turn it upfield and get more than 15 yards with a rush at some decent percentage pierce has both now is he gonna go in the low rounds? No. Uh enough people are on to Damian Pierce and he yeah, had enough production. Mid mid round. He's gonna third, go in the mid, Fourth. Like fourth, yeah, fourth some, yeah. like fourth is where I'm gonna really start looking for him if he's still there. Um, could he go before that? Sure. Uh if he goes any point after that, right? If he slips to the fifth, he's a huge <laughs> value. Hell yeah. And if he gets later than that, just because of positional devaluation or running backs, like run to the podium. This is a guy that we always say, don't pick running backs high. If you see him there anytime after the mid fourth, like by the mid fourth, I assume he's probably going to be off the board. If he's there after that and you have a slot and you need a running back, put Damian Pierce in your running back room because he's going to provide you with skills that are going to help your team win, even in the modern NFL. So
1: the thing that really just stands out to me is efficiency, because as you mentioned, his his miss tackle rate or miss tackle force rate or force miss tackle rate, whatever the terminology is yeah it was about 40%. So like on 40% of his carries he's forcing a missed tackle which was higher than Kenneth Walker or by robinson like you name it. <laughs> you name every single running back in this class he was he was beating that. Uh just insane efficiency in terms of, you know, making dudes miss in a variety of different ways. But also his nose for the end zone. He only had 100 carries this year and scored 13 times like that's <laughs> that's nuts yeah and it's (laughs) like if you if you project his carries out to the same as (laughs) kenneth walker by the way he would have scored i think i did the math earlier and it was like 30 touchdowns that's insane
0: yeah and he can contribute in so many ways like he's not what i would consider (laughs) how do i say this kindly he's not what i would consider like a graceful pass catching back He's not one of those guys that's ever going to remind functional. you of like Marshall yeah. fuck, but he's more than functional. He's like, he can really hurt you on like what I'd almost call a wheel seam. Like it looks like he's going on the wheel and all of a sudden, because he's very sudden he'll stop and go right up the hashes and he'll make this kind of ugly contorted catch, but he makes the catch and then he bowls two guys over going into the end zone. And you're like, Oh, it wasn't the prettiest play, but man, he scored. Um, and it's that stop, start, the ability to run guys over the ability to run around guys, the ability to be more than functional in the passing game, like hurt you if you don't pay attention to him. And that again is a skill a modern running back needs because if a guy's like, uh, ah, you know, the way we thought of Leonard Fournette for years before the past two years, right. Yeah. Where like yeah. he can catch a swing pass, but other than that, is he really going to hurt you? And Like if you watch the way teams defend him, No, nobody, nobody was worried about it before Tom came to town and went, Hey, I think you can catch, um, but (laughs) Pierce Pierce can come to the league with all of those skills. He's one of those guys going to get drafted. Like we said, fourth round, fifth round, right in there. And, you know, he's going to come out and if he gets the opportunity, if the guy ahead of him goes down, he's going to be one of those guys like Dearness Johnson that comes in and you're going to be watching some random Thursday night game. And you're like, Damian Pierce had 105 yards rushing, 35 yards receiving and two touchdowns. And you're like, who's Damian Pierce? And you're going to go, oh, yeah. Boop, oh, that like, guy so on I'm my fantasy about. bench that <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't play <laughs> because didn't I'm play. not an underdog player. Oh Yeah. Man. Um.
1: My number five, keeping up the running back theme. We've had a lot of running backs tonight, but I, I couldn't I couldn't do the show without him because everybody knows I love him. And that's Pierre Strong Jr. from South Dakota State. Uh, I talked earlier about um, Kenneth Walker leading the FBS in breakaway runs with 30. So 30 runs of 15 yards or more. When you also include FCS, Pierre Strong tied him at 30. Like he's just as dynamic. You look at the 40, I think it was like 4.38 versus 4.39. Like they are both speed demons. Strong is built very differently. Uh, a little bit taller, more slender, a little bit more of an upright runner kind of when he gets going. Um, he's not Eric Dickerson, but he has kind of an Eric Dickerson running style, I would mm. say. Like a Darren McFadden kind of, they, they're both like that upright slasher type. Um, but he's a natural fit in his own run game. You know, some people kind of compare him to Raheem Mostert, and I could see that as well. Like mm-hmm. again, you get him in that you know that that wide zone scheme where he can stress defenses to the edge, and then you know plant that foot and get upfield. I think he's a perfect fit for that kind of stuff. I really wish that Miami didn't sign a million running backs because he would have been <laughs> a perfect fit there. Um, but I do think that honestly, he could go he could go to San Francisco, and you know. Probably be one of start, their five running backs. Be one like, of their eight, five running backs. Eight, eight, 800 yards. You'll because... never know who to start because they're all good, but yeah. he could easily go there. Uh, he could go to Atlanta, who are probably looking for another guy, um, even though they have a couple backs that are uh, that are serviceable, but I, I still think they could use another one on the rotation. Pierre Strong Jr. fits there. I think um, if Tennessee's looking for another guy to add into the rotation, you know, to make sure Derrick Henry doesn't completely fall apart,
0: pretty much any like zone team I'm yeah. down. The thing I love about strong is he was one of the guys at the shrine bowl that I was really excited about seeing was the first thing. Um, it, it, he was one of the guys that I was like, I always had to say, Oh yeah. And Pierre strong people would say who you're excited about. And I just, I took that as a known <laughs> as a kind of like absolute gimme. And I had to remind myself, no, he's one of the top players here. And I fully expect him to go off and play really well. And he did. And I had to force myself during the week to put out a couple tweets. Nope. Pierre Strong still kicking ass and taking names like just like we expected him to. But I don't want to overlook the fact that, yeah, he looks to be one of the best running backs here and he is fast and you see that on tape, but he's elusive. He threw up a lot of yards and he can do it inside and he can do it outside. And if he adds any little bit to the passing game, you put him again in that scheme that you were really looking at. I had a little sort of inkling of, Hey, maybe in the late rounds, Buffalo will grab him. Mm. Right. And you know, they went out and signed Duke who I also like and, and adds that third element to the running room. But I was like, maybe, maybe Bean, you know, and the, and the Buffalo scouts that were at the shrine game are going to be like, Hey, Pierre strong in the sixth would look really good. Next to you know the couple of hammers we've got, because it brings us something else, so i I too am looking for him to get that fit, but he is one of those players that because he didn't play at the biggest school um uh, because he didn't play against the best competition, if you weren't sort of paying attention or you're not into the draft, you didn't hear his name. you know, I heard his name a lot last summer, like he had a great great junior, year. he's gonna have a great senior year, like just he's just gonna keep chugging along, and then it was like, yep, he's coming to Shrine Bowl. Super excited, super solid player. And I think he's one of the guys that's hitting the NFL at the right time for his skill set. You look at guys that maybe were his size um, with his skill set maybe 10 years ago. And you're like, "Uh, I don't think they would have been that effective. Right. And now you're like, oh, it's perfect.
1: You know what's crazy about him? So he's from Arkansas Hmm. and won like player of the year. Yeah in 5A in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, he didn't, the Razorbacks didn't even look? Yeah. Like, really? You got this kid in your home still? You let him get out of the South?
0: Yeah, and and Razorback (laughs) running backs are a thing, right? Like, Arkansas is one of those schools like Georgia, like Texas, that, like, they still pride themselves on getting great running backs and four of them. He averaged, like, 2,200
1: yards and, like, 26 touchdowns a year. In 5A. In our, uh, like, really? Nobody in the
0: SEC? Nobody? (laughs) There are those moments where you see guys like that and their production, and you're like, how did they end up? And, And throughout draft stuff, we'll talk about one of the other ones, also a guy we met at Shrine Bowl, who we were both, like, why did this guy not go to Clemson or LSU or BAM or Ohio state or Notre Dame? And we found out he got offers from all those schools and he yep. chose this school for another reason, but we're like, Oh yeah, he did. He had, he had top 20 offers from all the top 20. Yeah, like he, he could got have
1: recruited anywhere. by Saban and Kirby smart and chose to go to the FCS on purpose. Yeah. Had a different reason. <laughs> and you just never
0: know. So all these people that say, Oh, he can't be good because of the helmet he wears, like he wears a, this helmet or he wears it he's a south dakota state helmet in this case like uh (laughs) careful he was you know Arkansas's player of the year in 5a and they they grow running backs there like he's he's a good one so uh i can't wait to see where he goes in the nfl i think he is going to be productive again landing spot is going to be a thing he's not going to be a starter he's not going to be drafted to be a starter um just like james robinson wasn't really drafted to be a starter but found an opportunity and after his first year, but he was like, James Robinson's great. Well, James Robinson had that talent coming out of college. Pierre strong has a similar level of talent. If he gets opportunity, you're going to see it displayed. He's, he's just so productive. He's like a clock. He is, you hand him the ball. You're going to get yards.
1: All right, EJ, bring us home. Who's your last one.
0: This was a struggle for me because I don't love the quarterback class, but I have been riding the Matt Corral train for two years and I'm not going to jump off now. And that being said, I'll go back to what our definition of a gem is. And it is not the best. It is not the guy that you think is sure to succeed. It's a guy you like watching play football, who you think has, uh, you know, if we go back to the take it thing, a particular set of skills. right? (laughs) Um, And Matt Corral displays a lot of the qualities that you want a top quarterback to have he has a very good arm is a great arm no but he has a very good arm you don't have to Mm -hmm. worry about his arm is he accurate with the football yes is he on time yes is he able to read the entire field yes he is there are multiple multiple reads uh from the last three years of him reading the football field going through progressions is he mobile absolutely can play the mobile quarterback game as well as anybody. He's also a very gifted runner. He's actually a little bit too aggressive as a runner at his size. And while Mm. we're on the size thing, I want to talk about how much traction eight pounds got in draft media this year. Okay. He is the same size as Zach was last year. He is eight pounds lighter and he wasn't eight pounds lighter by the time he got to the combine, but his listed weight was eight eight pounds lighter than Wilson. Other than that, his physical dimensions are the same.
1: And we know that Wilson also played a little bit lighter at BYU than he, than, you know.
0: Right. So people were like, you would hear over and over again, mackerel, mackerel, but he's so slight. And I was like, I don't ever remember hearing about Wilson. He's so slight. And they are literally the same frame with it was eight pounds of difference at the time it was listed it turned out to be like five pounds by the time he got to the combine we're talking about five pounds people like difference between breakfast and no breakfast so and he's going to go to the nfl
1: and eat a couple biscuits anyway you know oh for sure
0: but i there are things i really like about matt corral and i understand all the complaints and the things that people don't like about matt corral but he's got gifts He's got pocket feel, which is not something that can be taught. He's got great timing. He's on time with the ball. He's accurate. We talked about that. He has extremely quick feet. He will reset better than almost any quarterback in this class to get his feet on the line that he needs to be. And that is from far right of the field to I'm going to throw a bubble screen on the left. He's not one of those guys that just turns and hucks it. Mm -hmm. He will snap his feet almost 180 degrees and get that throw off instantly. Very impressive stuff quick release. Those things are hard to teach, hard to coach, um, decision-making. You can make a dent in, right? And if he makes mistakes in decisions, it's not because he won't throw it. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, yeah, you got to protect the ball. You got, yeah, but there's the other thing too. And we all know quarterbacks that will see it and not throw it because they're like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to check it down. Think about Andy Dalton last year, if we're going to go with a pro example, right? He would see stuff downfield and he would check it down and he wouldn't take the shot when it was there. He wouldn't take the shot when he had the guy leveraged in one-on-one and Corral will take the shot. And that is again, not something you can teach. Now you can teach him to take it a few times less per game. You can teach him to take it a few times when the odds aren't stacked in his favor, or maybe he isn't seeing the late rotation, which he missed. You know, but that is the bane of a lot of quarterbacks, including many pro ones. Right. But you want a guy that will pull the trigger, Mm -hmm. the guy that will give the guy a chance and throw a good ball and Corral will do it. And there are guys in this class that are really highly ranked that if you watch their tape, there's at least three or four times a game, you're like, let it loose. Let it off the chain right there. It's open like that's open in the NFL. Throw it to the window and they won't do it. And they'll check it down. They'll get a three or five yard gain. Some people say, great. There's a name for that in the NFL. And it's not a term of endearment for quarterbacks. (laughs) So Corral is a guy that you're not going to have to try and coach that into him. And I don't really think that that particular piece is something you can coach. You can't coach aggressiveness in to almost any player. Either they have it or they don't. Bill Parcells said if they don't bite when they're puppies, they're not going to bite. Right. And Corral will bite. He will take the shot. And I really appreciate that. Very gifted runner, but again, needs to limit his exposure. He is not big enough to run the way he does in college in the pros. he got to get down. He's got to slide. He's got a baseball background as well. He knows how to do it. We just got to, again, dial that aggressiveness back down because he's trying to run guys over at the goal line at 205 uh, in the SEC. Mm, not a recipe for staying healthy so um but his ability to read his arm his accuracy his ability to choose quickly decide and get the ball out of his hands those are all those are all pro traits now yeah i don't mean all pro i mean those are all traits that pros exhibit that's what i mean when i'm saying all pro um i think he's good enough to get to the nfl and get better again situation is incredibly important if he lands with Someone that understands what they're getting and what they need to do, he'll be very, very good, and he could eventually, I think, be a solid starter. So well, that's that's why I two. think
1: that I feel pretty confident that he's not going day one. I feel pretty confident that he's going day two. And I look at the Colts after they traded away Carson Wentz, they now have the forty-second pick from Washington. That is a like dead in the middle of the range that I kind of expect him to go but I also think it's a perfect situation because he doesn't have to start right away. And Mm -hmm. I do not think he should start right away. No, I I think he needs, he needs to sit. And I, I, in particular, I think, I think he, I don't know the guy, but I do think that he could benefit from being behind the type of pro that Matt Ryan is, you know, learning how to be a pro learning, what it takes to be a franchise quarterback and the hours that you have to put in and the regimen that you need to do in the off season and how to take care of your body and everything that goes into being the guy, an MVP quarterback with Matt Ryan and one MVP like half a decade ago. It's not even that long ago. I think he could really benefit from being behind Matt Ryan, seeing one of the best do it, you know, working under Frank Reich who by all accounts is a great dude Um, you know, there are some weapons there that I think, you know, in terms of paying off, paying off aggressiveness, uh, Michael Pittman jr. Is one of those guys that they could really pay off aggressiveness. They still need to get more, but you know, again, he's not going to be starting yet, you know, give Matt Ryan a couple years there. Um, and then like year three for Matt Corral, I think when he's kind of settled into the routine of being an NFL quarterback and, you know, you add a couple more weapons in the draft and slide him in there in 2024 and see what he's got. Like, I, I think I think Indy's ready to make a push with Ryan now and then have a guy like Corral in the back burner for the future. I think it's a perfect situation for all
0: involved. Yeah, he needs a great spot. He needs a guy like Reich or a guy like Andy Reid. Like, I'm not saying that Casey's going to pick him. I don't think they are. I think they're well and set, and they're not going to put a high pick into a second. You know, a second tier quarterback. And not that they should, but the same way that Reed approached Mahomes development, sat him for the first year, said, Look, we know what we've got. We don't want to, we don't want to legislate that out of you. That's special. But we need you to do a few things and we need you to not do a few things. And it's no different with Matt Corral. Is he as talented as Pat Mahomes? No, he's not. I'm not saying that. This is a guy that I think could play his way into being say at his best mid-level, probably like Derek Carr. And that's pretty good. Top 12 quarterback. If yeah, you get a top, I mean, 12 depending quarterback on, on, you know, depending on when you look at Derek Carr, but like, and people say, oh, that's a huge slam. It's not, this isn't a hugely talented quarterback class. You have one guy with unlimited potential, but a long way to go. And then you've got a lot of other guys that you're making choices about. And if I'm making choices about those other guys, and I have a situation with a good quarterback developer, um, i there's a coach that i like i don't know that i like the situation a lot but there's a coach that i like i would love for matt corral to sit under pep hamilton for a year it would be good for him it would be really good for him and he wouldn't not have an to ideal play. situation as you not an ideal but... situation he doesn't have to start right away right that's not a thing like they've got a guy that's going to start it, it's sort of like and people say oh it's that's not the situation you want. Like for all the other things, the weapons and the window and everything else. No, but like Pep Hamilton has worked with some really talented passers over the last three stops he's been at and he's done really, really well. And if you give Matt Corral a guy like that and no pressure, like you go to that, like nobody's expecting anything. They already have the guy they're starting. You're the clear number two. You can sit and work. And if you want to, you can get better and you can, You can become a guy that can start in the league. And I think that's what Corral can do. Is he going to do it? Look, there there are as many caveats for quarterback failure in this league as you can imagine. And there are lots of reasons Corral could fail. He could not dial it back and he could get broken, right? (laughs) He's too aggressive. He could not dial it back and throw too many interceptions. Same thing. It's broken in a different way. He could decide that he doesn't really want to focus on football and, you know, hey, he doesn't have that expectation, that being the guy. And so I'm going to go the opposite way of Matt Ryan. I'm not going to focus on getting better, and being a pro. I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to focus. All of those things are possible with Matt Corral, but so are the other things where he does buckle down, does land in a good situation, does focus, and brings all those gifts. And if you look at the, the best Matt Corral tape, like compilation that's a pro quarterback. Yeah. Like, and a good one. A yep. good one.
1: So uh, I think that'll wrap it up for uh 10 gems for offense for the 2022 draft season.
0: Uh Hell of a group. We got here. We got to uh, talk yeah. about one more guy who's honorable mention. Neither one of us picked him, but his rise. Oh alone. yeah. Yeah. We right. got to give You're some right. love to Jelani woods. Now this is a guy that we saw. And again, a guy that transferred guy was elsewhere for most of his career, ended up at UVA for his final year. And exploded. Guy that I identified first day on the practice field and went, Whoa, that's not what I thought it was. We looked into him some more. We watched him throughout practice. We watched him throughout the game. We went back and watched his game tape. And we both said, That guy's going to get drafted for sure. And he's going to get drafted a lot higher than a lot of people think. And we said that real early on in the process, like late January. (laughs) Yeah. And at that point, if you looked up Jelani Woods on any kind of ranking, mock drafts, average draft position, you are talking about at best two eighties, more mm-hmm. like three fifties, three sixties, as low as the mid four hundreds, like clearly an undraftable player in the eyes of a, the majority of the draft world goes to the shrine bowl, has a good shrine bowl. You start to see him sort of float into that draftable range. Now he's in the 260 range, 250, 240 range, you know, goes to the combine. Oh, there's a big jump, right? Everybody's like, holy crap, he really can run. Wow, he's pretty fluid. He can catch. He's how tall? Like, oh, Andy blocks? Like, uh, now he's the 200s. Now he's the 170s. And it's been this, again, Jelani Woods has not played a game in four months. (laughs) Like, he played the Shrine Bowl game. Everybody
1: just kind of caught
0: up. Everybody (laughs) went, Whoa. Super tall, really fast, can stretch the seam, good hands. If you're going to try anything in the red zone, you're going to have to mug him because he's good enough and you got to come over his back because he's just too big and he catches well. He knows how to box out with that frame. Now he's in the 170s, some places 140s. Like that's a 150 point rise at which means
1: there's at least one NFL team that has him above 150. Yeah. so <laughs> he's getting
0: drafted in love you know the top two-thirds of the picks in the draft and he is a guy that i think will play and contribute is he a te1 i don't think so is he like the ideal te2 like
1: yeah, yeah
0: he really is so love for jelani wood sorry we didn't squeeze you into the top 10 but we love your game and uh we can't wait to see where you end up in the pros
1: yeah he's uh he's gonna be i think one of the guys that that we uh we kind of pop the champagne when, uh, when he when he goes on draft. Oh yeah, because he's, yeah. he's he's been a bootleg favorite from the beginning, for sure. But um, thank you everybody for uh for listening and watching, however you happen to consume bootleg. Thank you to our executive producers in the bootleg Hall of Fame, Marat and Fitz for for once again supporting the show at the highest tier on Patreon. Couldn't do this without you guys. Um, hell of a show this year. Can't wait for uh, all the other draft related stuff we got coming over the next month or so. And I think we have a very special um draft live stream plan coming for you guys uh pretty soon here that we'll have we'll have some details on shortly so uh thank you again everybody for watching and listening we'll be back next week with yet another show until then later take care